0: And it's going. We're good.
1: I'm going to read the thing. Go read the thing. The voyage had been long, but amidst the sunburned and wind-scarred passengers, the feeling of hope was undeniable. A new country, an exotic country they had never heard of before, with grounds so fertile you could throw away your fruit in the yard and have a full-grown tree by next fall. Unbelievable bounties of fish swam in the rivers of this amazing land, and if fishing wasn't your cup of tea, you could dig into the flowing rivers and find gold. The waters were so pure that one could drink from any stream without fear of sickness, and the fruit trees and tropical foliage teemed with game and exotic birds. It was a paradise, this wondrous country of Poyer. These 250 settlers had bought their parcels of new land for four shillings an acre, investing their entire life savings into this land of opportunity. Soon, They would arrive at the world-class Black River Port, a bustling waterfront that served as the point of entry to St. Joseph, the metropolis at the heart of Poirier. They were excited to see the gold-lined palace, opera theater, colonnaded mansions, and great domed cathedral. As land came within sight, the eager colonists pushed their way to the deck of the ship, craning their necks to take in the wonders of Poirier and the shipping lanes of Black River Port. A murmur began to pass down the ship's railing, confusion spreading among the settlers. There was no port, grand or otherwise. Reasoning that they must have been blown off course, they disembarked and made camp on the beach, assuming that authorities from Poyer would soon find them. A few people native to the Mosquito Coast found them instead, and, recognizing the name of St. Joseph, they led a party of settlers to a small collection of overgrown foundations and rubble. When the rainy season came, malaria and yellow fever took hold. Unaccustomed to their new environment, disaster after disaster befell the hapless settlers. Finally, in the spring, a ship carrying the chief magistrate from Belize discovered them. The settlers were informed by the dumbfounded officials that the country in which they had purchased land simply did not exist, and the man who had sold it to them was not the king he had presented himself as. Of the roughly 250 who had set sail from Britain, fewer than 50 returned home, and they had lost everything. Welcome to Relative Disaster, the show where my sister and I manage our existential dread by talking about terrible and interesting historical events, their context, implications, and any related sidebars we feel like discussing. I'm Greg, Relative Disaster Corporation's Chief Imaginary Countries Consultant.
0: And I'm his sister, Ella, Relative Disaster University's Distinguished Professor of Deadly Scams. Thanks so much for that horrifying story, Greg. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to be taking a look at the extremely punchable Gregor McGregor. <laughs>
1: Such a punchable face.
0: (laughs) His deadly, but very imaginative immigration scam. And just the general havoc his imagination and greed caused on the people who signed up to participate.
1: So, Gregor McGregor is... I mean, the guy is like both the patron saint and supervillain for con men everywhere. He is somebody who literally talked himself into commanding an army... And proclaiming himself the emperor of Florida and hmm. and then proclaiming himself the king of a country that didn't exist, uh, which got a lot of people killed and made him a ton of money.
0: He is the classic example of a wealthy person failing upward. And
1: he kept getting rewarded for it. That's what's so frustrating about this guy. It's like you'd think somewhere along the line somebody would have been like, you know what, maybe we should... S- Stop giving this guy opportunity. No, no. Okay, we'll keep doing it.
0: Can you uh, tell me when he was born? Sure.
1: He was born on in the most auspicious way of literary heroes everywhere. He was born on Christmas Eve.
0: You know, I have to ask you, Greg. I don't know too many other Gregs. How do you feel about what he's done for Gregs and Gregors and Gregories everywhere? With I that? will. I will
1: go into this sidebar real quick because I'm not sure if you have ever noticed this, but but being a Gregory, I certainly have. Uh, Whenever a Greg or Gregory is in a piece of literature or a film, it's shorthand for this dude sucks. Mm. The name Gregory has sort of become overprivileged, entitled white guy. and, um, (laughs) And I would like to think that it is in some small part because this guy has forever tainted the name oh, of Greg. He ruined it. So this guy is a guy who like you said, he failed upward
0: magnificently.
1: Okay, I can only do the highlights because otherwise we're going to be here for an hour uh <laughs> going over the upwardly failing disaster of a life that this guy had. <laughs> Uh, so, at the age of 16, he joins the army. He gets kicked out of the army for mouthing off to a superior officer. Mm-hmm. He then parades himself around London, declaring that he is Sir Gregor McGregor yes. with a, uh, a chest full of medals, all of which he did not earn. He then <laughs> goes to Venezuela, like you do, because he can't break <laughs> into London society. So, he decides to help out Venezuela with their revolution that's going on. Oh, boy. And oh, he... boy. Walks in, introduces himself to the revolutionary leader, and immediately is handed a cavalry unit, and he goes off and fights in the Venezuelan Revolution. He loses, he Hmm. leaves, he runs away, leaving his troops to get killed.
0: Oh, Gregor, that is not a good look.
1: He then goes to Florida and takes an island off the coast of Florida. From uh from the Spanish. I mean flees again when the Spanish counterattack, leaving his people to be killed. Then he goes back to Venezuela and um New Granada.
0: Oh honey.
1: Leads armies for both of them, loses a bunch, runs away as soon as his people start looking like they're going to get killed, marries Simone Bolivar's cousin, Josefa. Uh, they have. They wind up having two kids. Of course, he names the son Gregorio. <laughs> oh, God, Gregorio. Meanwhile, he's inventing all sorts of knightly orders that he now belongs to and inventing all sorts of military rewards for himself and basically comes back to London with a chest full of unearned medals and a bunch of made-up military glory. Failing upward. And... <laughs> This is how the Poirier scheme starts. And it's got to be said that that is an incredibly truncated version of his life. And we really should take an hour to talk about each and every single instance of this guy just being the worst.
0: Yeah, he was fighting an uphill battle against his own incompetence there. But we
1: don't have time. So, here we are at Poirier. Yeah. McGregor shows up at the court of King George Frederick Augustus of the Mosquito Coast. There used to be British settlements around the Black River because of the Anglo-Spanish Convention of 1786. Those are all pretty much abandoned. But there's all this land out there that's, it's, it's, it's beautiful land.
0: Oh, lots of fruit trees.
1: But you can't cultivate it. You can't, you certainly can't farm it and raise livestock. The waters aren't full of fish or good things to eat there's a lot of fruit trees but it's not sustainable so there's this beautiful land out there and george frederick augustus signs a document that grants mcgregor and his heirs a substantial swath of mosquito territory it's almost eight million acres The kingdom but it's useless
0: i think you just have to adjust your mindset there greg it's not useless it's just waiting for the right person to come along
1: (laughs) McGregor <laughs> calls it Poye. So here's the thing. He's got this land document, which by the way, is not really a legal document. Mm. It would be sort of like if I gave you you know, here's a stone in my backyard. it's it's in your name. <laughs> you can't sell that to somebody, but this is the Ella Memorial Stone. And then we get to it because in 1821, Poye. McGregor shows back up in London, calling himself the Cazique of Poye. Now kazik
0: He's had all the other titles.
1: And all the other titles. Yeah, oh yeah. He's still using Sir. He's still he's still proclaiming that he is uh, of knightly orders. He's still wearing the green cross medallions. Yes. So Kazique is a Spanish American word for a native chief. Oh, God. Now McGregor interprets that as prince or king. Mm he tells everybody that he was given this title by george frederick augustus
0: right who gave him the land
1: the other thing is that at the time you know south america was just primed for some con artist to come along and do exactly this because mm-hmm. governments were rising and falling all over the place like year to year a new republic would just spring up overnight So sure, there might be a country called Poye, and a decorated general like Gregor McGregor... Oh, man. ...could be its leader.
0: This is the perfect segue for me to talk about South American bubbles. Yes. Uh, So I'm not an economics person. This was a very interesting deep dive. Apparently, as you said, as Spanish control over the South American colonies is kind of ebbing and flowing.
1: Governments are rising and falling overnight. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's creating this weird economic circumstances because countries need money. And if you are in charge of a country, you only have whatever tax base exists in the country. So most of these little countries that were, what did you say, rising and falling? Yeah. (laughs) Most of them have minerals. Uh, Gold and silver is especially popular. So at this time in the early 1820s, yes, a lot of countries, including countries that are still around today, Argentina, Chile, Peru, Brazil, they're issuing bonds that are backed by the government.
1: You're issuing bonds backed by natural resources.
0: And they are promising investors, buy this bond, we're going to find some gold and silver, we're like 99% sure, and you're going to earn a lot of money, which always works out well. And I, I don't know why people don't do that now. <laughs> so the London Stock Exchange is all about it. They're like, give me those bonds. Give me that cash. Yes. We're going to get rich. Yes. Oh, capitalism.
1: Weird capitalism, too, because it's such a speculative market.
0: It's speculative, but they're so optimistic about it. Yeah. They're like, OK, things didn't work out in Peru, but there's this new country called Chile, and it's definitely going to work there. I mean, people were just running around holding pounds sterling out, waiting for people to take it and give them back gold and silver from South America. Yep. So there are these three huge bubbles. There is one that's connected to canals. Okay. (laughs) The canal bubble of the 1810. There's a railroad bubble. Yeah. So it's not just about minerals. It's about industry as well.
1: And it's also about stability. Like, how much do we believe that this government is going to last? Exactly.
0: So in the midst of all this comes the kaizik Yes. And the Kaizik loves selling Poyesian bonds.
1: Oh my god. He has
0: he has so many.
1: And uh, and why does he have so many Poyesian bonds?
0: I'm so glad you asked. They are being printed for him.
1: Where are they being printed?
0: <laughs> On demand in Scotland.
1: <laughs> Yay, that's right. <laughs>
0: now he's not just selling bonds, he's selling Poyer the country.
1: Yes, he is.
0: And he's doing this with the help of a great little book. All about Poye.
1: Sketch of the Mosquito Shore, including the territory of Poye by Captain Thomas Strangeways, which is absolutely not a pen name for Gregor McGregor.
0: No, and how you can tell that... It's because
1: it's spelled differently. <laughs> ...is
0: the dedication page. Uh, the dedication page reads, quote, To His Highness Gregor, Kazik of Poye this sketch of the Mosquito Shore, including the territory of Poye is respectfully inscribed by His Highness Most Devoted and Most Obedient Humble Servant, the the author. author.
1: Yep. We should point out that uh, Captain Thomas Strangeway is the captain of the 1st Native Poirier Regiment and aide-de-camp to His Highness Gregor Kazik of Poirier. So this is a you know, obviously a legitimate dude.
0: Yes. And I would like to call your attention to the amount of detail in this book. That's this book is three hundred and fifty pages long. Yeah. It does not appear to be copied from other books.
1: He could have just put out a pamphlet and instead <laughs> That's not good enough. He does
0: this. He's going for the big money. The big money is not in pamphlets.
1: And it's page after page of invented islands and cities and... The
0: detail is amazing. And he goes on and on, especially about the fertility of the land in Poye. Yes. So he actually tells you, and this book is intended for settlers. Yes. So he gives you a lot of information about how people clear land, what people plant, how things grow. Yep. He tells you what things cost to grow and then what they sell for in the market in Honduras. Oh my God. You have to kind of tip your hat here. This is like a full yeah. on fever dream of a natural history book slash travel manual <laughs> fever dream of a country. <laughs>
1: it's unbelievable. He talks about
0: the people who live there. He talks about the animals. He talks about the climate.
1: Can we we talk about the sheer volume of footnotes and citations in the book?
0: It looks real. Like, it looks like a real book.
1: Everything is cited. Like, everything. The definition of a horse is cited. He talks
0: about manatees. He does. I mean, he gives you a full description of the entire place. It's magnificent.
1: The level of detail in this is not... This is not like, you know, your fly-by-night operation. This is, I think, meticulous is the only word we can use. (laughs) He goes through everything. (laughs) He goes through exchange rates. He goes through, you know, which sugar plantations are the biggest ones, the major uh, features of the major cities. Uh, His description of St. Joseph sounds gorgeous. I mean, it's got mm-hmm. it's got a theater, an opera house, a, 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 there. a, a beautiful domed cathedral, <laughs> the uh, the Poesian houses of Parliament, the Royal Palace, which is sheathed in gold.
0: And the point is that all of this is just waiting for people. Yes, you know, it's a great country. All these things have been built. There's all this arable land. We have these horses running around.
1: But you know what we don't have? We don't have a huge population. It's
0: really just waiting for people. So, if you are interested... <laughs> so, he as he's going around to dinner parties, he's offering bonds at 100 pounds each.
1: Yep. And they're selling.
0: Uh, for the poor. He's got something for you, too. He offered land for sale.
1: And this is where more than just his soldiers get killed. Yes. Because... He's selling the land very affordably. Yes. So he started off selling land at around two shillings an acre. And then later on, he kept ratcheting the price up. And eventually it topped out at about four shillings per acre. Mm -hmm. And two shillings per acre, it's roughly equivalent to a day laborer's wage at the time. Yep. So for, you know... A week of work, you could buy your own land in paradise.
0: Right. And remember, these people are in England and Scotland. He is talking about a beautiful tropical climate. I don't know. I probably would have fallen for this. I'm ashamed to admit.
1: It's hard not to. I mean, when you look at how well it's presented, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, there's a, a there's a saying I really love that, that's when you're colorblind, all the red flags just look like flags. <laughs> And it's true, because in these cases, like, human beings, uh, especially when you have a charismatic and competent con man preying on you, we are so good at putting on the blinders towards things that should be huge warning signals for us. Mm -hmm. Like, wait a minute, if this place is so gorgeous, why is it not full of people?
0: Mm.
1: If the rivers of Poirier contain, quote, Globules of pure gold, unquote. That's the uh, the sketch of the Mosquito Shore, including the territory of Poye there. Yep. Why the heck are we just hearing about this now?
0: Well, the Spanish aren't really interested in
1: gold. I don't know. <laughs> <what that means. laughs> no one really is. The I, whole it, area.
0: They were like, that yellow stuff, no using it. It's such a soft that.
1: metal. You, you can't make stuff out of it. Yeah, it's, it's a tough sell. And it's one of those things where, you know, as with most... Con jobs and conspiracy theories. Once you start pulling any thread, the whole thing collapses. Mm. So you just have to not not question any part of it.
0: Yeah, but you know, from a certain angle, it does look legit. You've got the book.
1: You have the book, and you have the government loan. That's the other big one.
0: The Bank of England, yes, is on your side. The Poiesian Legion has an office in London. I mean, you got the currency. The currency is right there. You can talk to the king. I mean. I don't know how much more legitimate
1: <laughs> you could be. He is happy to exchange your, you know, less worthy pounds.
0: Your pounds for Poirotian dollars.
1: <laughs> did you, did you hear about the song by the way?
0: <laughs> yeah. So he went all in. Oh my God. He does not leave any facet of his imaginary Poirot kind of unexplored. He has military uniforms. With medals. He has his own flag.
1: (laughs) Did you see the coat of arms? It's crazy.
0: I bet it's gorgeous.
1: It's silly as hell. I mean, the whole thing is silly (laughs) as hell from one angle.
0: But from another angle, it looks great. Yes. The problem with doing all that is that you are really borrowing on assets that don't exist.
1: No, because there's nothing at the other end of it. Uh,
0: So, Gregor McGregor (laughs) is raking in the cash. The people who own the bonds are not making any money. And the people who own the dollars are not able to spend them because there's no government of Poye to back the dollars. There's no bank. It's a piece of paper.
1: This is securities fraud just before we really had that turn. Right. On a, <laughs> <Yeah>. on a,
0: <laughs> on a really imaginative scale. <laughs> and the biggest problem of all is the land sales. Yes. Because the settlers have paid money for land that is not
1: doesn't exist.
0: Okay. It's not that the land doesn't exist. The land is there.
1: (laughs) The land just can't be sold to them. Yeah. So if,
0: if there had been any way to get information about this, the settlers or the would-be settlers would have realized right away that this is not a legitimate
1: enterprise.
0: Instead, like ethically, we don't have a word for this. (laughs) It is
1: the worst. So there's the military abandonment of his soldiers. That he does consistently over and over again. And that's sort of one of those, you know, oh, what a coward moments. Mm -hmm. You know, reacting in that moment with fear. But this is such a Mm premeditated fraud that winds up getting people killed.
0: I don't see him as a coward. I see him as a sociopath.
1: A pragmatist. (laughs) I'm going to die, so I leave. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no.
0: No, it's not even that. He he just doesn't understand that other people have feelings.
1: Oh, fair enough. I get it. Yeah.
0: So he's okay with abandoning people and he's okay with sending these settlers off to their deaths because to him they're not people. They're
1: they're dollar signs at this one. I I don't I don't think there is much insight into why he's doing this. He's doing this because he likes being rich, and this is a way to stay rich without having to do anything for it, other than a little bit of work up front, you know?
0: All he does is sell things. I don't see what the problem is.
1: So, well, first of all, we should establish how much of this he had sold. He had sold over 500 divisions of land, so over 500 separate people and families had bought land. Yeah. Many of which basically put their life savings into this. And
0: we're talking three years here. This is not something that goes on. For
1: like a couple months. No. It, he stuck around for three years in the London Bank, which secured on all the revenues of the government Poirier underwrote a 200,000 pound loan. Now that one I did look up.
0: I don't feel sorry for
1: the Bank of London.
0: I feel sorry for the settlers. The Bank of London really should have known better.
1: He took in everybody. <laughs> Come on, so guys. So 200,000 pound loan. <laughs> so that works out to almost $50 million.
0: Holy crap,
1: Gregor. Anyway.
0: I mean, how much do you need? So so the bubble starts to starts to burst a little bit.
1: The bond price doesn't burst until after the people have already left. Yes. So of those 500 land packets, 250 settlers, we'll call them, even though they're not going to be able to settle anything.
0: Can we say victims? Fraud victims?
1: <laughs> sure. 250 victims set off on two separate ships, and the whole thing is under the command of an ex army officer named Hector Hall. Now, Hector Hall is one of the few kind of heroes in this he tries to be yeah he's going to lead this expedition and of course mcgregor has to give him a military rank so he <laughs> he is he is commissioned as a lieutenant colonel in the second native regiment of foot <laughs> uh, for poyer
0: and he's a giver he really is
1: he is given a twelve thousand, actually it's almost thirteen thousand acre estate in poyer oh boy it, it's it's a baron to see he's granted he he is now a baron
0: i hope you got some cash as well
1: <laughs> mcgregor uh sees off the sailors leaving he he gives them a stack of 5000 bank of Poye dollar notes oh boy Gregor. you know as as a
0: as a as a special thank you
1: <laughs> and this is after many of them had already you know exchanged most of their pounds for dollar notes
0: mhm
1: and off they go.
0: And we know what happens next.
1: Oh, oh, that was the other thing. Since this was the maiden voyage, all the women and children sail free of charge.
0: Oh, god. Oh, you had to just go and make it a little bit worse, didn't you?
1: Yep. Pretty much. Mm. And then, as you were saying, the South American, you know, bond bubble bursts. And it bursts badly.
0: (laughs) Yes, well, it it burst in England.
1: It burst in England, yes. In France, it's still kind of good. Yeah, what's
0: a grifter to do? He's, he's got all that money.
1: <laughs> Go to France. <laughs> he
0: packs up. He moves to France. France is happening.
1: So France is sort of part two of the Poyer scheme. The people who sail out to Poyer first, as we said in the opening, basically nearly all of them die. Mm. Hector Hall tries his best to hold everybody together because what happens is as soon as they see land... He immediately is like, oh, McGregor duped us. Yes. He makes the decision not to tell everybody because it's going to cause chaos and people are going to panic. Mm-hmm. And then a big storm whips up and their ship sails out. So the emigrants are basically stranded. Hector Hall sets out to try to get in touch with King George Frederick Augustus and ask what the heck is going on. Mm-hmm. A ship from British Honduras and a small ship, which happened to be carrying the chief magistrate of Belize, discovers the settlers. Now, Hall had, had gone back and forth from their landing spot on the beach to Cape Gracias Dios, and nobody would or could help them. And once malaria and yellow fever started ripping through the victims, absolutely nobody would take them in.
0: Yeah, there's... There's not a lot you can do yep. for malaria and yellow fever at this time yep. and it is extremely contagious and extremely deadly. Yep.
1: The thing is is that they actually had two doctors who had brought along medicine so that wasn't completely mm. hopeless. But the problem was there was no way to make any sort of sustainable camp because the medicine's going to run out eventually and the and both doctors actually wind up getting sick and dying. The Royal Shoemaker, this is the other the other sad thing.
0: Oh, this one breaks my heart.
1: This one breaks my heart, too. It was an Edinburgh cobbler who had accepted the post of official shoemaker to the Princess of Poyer. Uh, he left his family behind in Edinburgh to go serve at the palace in St. Joseph. And uh, he winds up shooting himself. Oh, honey. Yeah. Because uh, resources, resources were scarce. And he reasoned that, that it would be uh, better to not take them. Uh. And a couple other settlers tried to uh, build canoes and small boats mm-hmm. and try to set out to British Honduras, and they all drowned at sea as well. Uh. So anyway, this ship shows up with the chief Belizean magistrate, And he's like, what the heck are you guys doing here? And they told him everything that happened. And he says, guys, Poye does not exist. I've never heard of Gregor McGregor. Come with me back to British Honduras or you're all going to die.
0: You guys got scammed.
1: And they're like, no, no, no. We're not going to leave without Hector Hall. So Hector Hall comes back and he comes back with George Frederick Augustus. Finally. The Mosquito King himself. Shows up and he takes one look at what's going on and he tells everybody, listen, this guy is not a kazik. I gave him a small parcel of land as like a, you know, hey, we'll name this after you one of these days. Not so he could sell it to any of you people. This is not your fault, but you can't live here. And so everybody goes on this small schooner because there's so little space. They have to make three trips back and forth. (sighs) Hmm. Um, they get to Belize. Most of them have to be carried from the ship because they're just so sick. Mm-hmm. Most of the settlers are dying. The weather in British Honduras is not good. The doctors can't help people because they're in too late of a stage. There is a, uh, an investigation opened, but of course it was in British Honduras. And by the time they, they send message to London, McGregor had already sent five more ships on the way. Mm-hmm. So it winds up happening is the Royal Navy actually goes out and intercepts those ships. Finally. And turns them around and sends them back home. Another vessel that was carrying just Scottish immigrants, because that's the thing, first people he went to were the Scottish. Mm-hmm. Another vessel arrives all the way at Black River, but seeing the abandoned colony there, basically the captain was like, uh, this doesn't look right, so he sails on to Belize.
0: They noped out.
1: <laughs> disembarks the passengers there, and the passengers get the whole story. Yeah. And so
0: So the settlers, the first batch of settlers who arrive are the only people who are stuck there.
1: Some few do make it back to Britain. With a story to tell. But again, it it was like thirty to forty of them. Oh, that's horrible. The rest of the two hundred and fifty, including kids, died. Yep. Even here though, I gotta I gotta take a quick sidebar here, because even here, mm-hmm. where they know that they have been defrauded by this guy. Yes and this guy has gotten a lot of them killed, he still has his defenders. Really? Because there are a few of the survivors who sign an affidavit oh, insisting boy. that it's not McGregor's fault. What? It's all Hector Hall's fault. No! No!
0: He's the one decent person in the story. No, no.
1: And then and then McGregor runs with this because this is the, the little string that he can pull on here. Mm. He says, oh yeah, no, I, my people were embezzling from me and these greedy merchants in British oh, Honduras no. are threatened by how profitable Poirier can be.
0: Oh, I don't like this at all, Greg. I have to say, I don't like this at
1: all. This is what happens when you give a charismatic sociopath Power over other people, Ella. This is what happens. And so these defenders start fighting they start issuing libel writs against British newspapers that say that the country doesn't exist. Ugh. And so he So he goes to France to drum up some more settlers for Poyer.
0: I mean, you don't want to stay after you scam someone. Yeah, this is time to leave. <laughs> yeah. There comes a moment. <laughs> So France welcomes him with open arms because he's fabulous. Great stories. I mean he's got all the English money. Now he needs some French money.
1: He has he has at this point nearly a billion dollars.
0: I mean, there's always room for more though.
1: So he shows up in France mm-hmm. and this war in the press breaks out.
0: Yes. Love a good press war.
1: Because the journalists the journalists are going after McGregor. The French journalists. Mm -hmm. And then a bunch of people who got caught up in the scheme are defending him very, very vigorously, very viciously. And McGregor pays a guy by giving him 5,000 acres in Poyer. Oh, God, will
0: he stop selling stuff in Poyer? It's driving (laughs) him crazy.
1: If he will go out and defend him. On his behalf, so he he hires a, a proxy so he can stay above it all.
0: I hate this so much.
1: And then the rug pulls out because what happens is he starts issuing the bonds and he starts raising a huge loan. This one for three hundred thousand. <laughs> he reissues the sketch into a forty-page booklet.
0: Finally, a pamphlet. And
1: he and he gets it out to the French people. However. Somebody somewhere along the line finally becomes suspicious of him. So basically what happens is the passport office of France has this whole checks system where they don't like people traveling too much. They don't like people traveling too little. And they also really don't like it when 30 people request passports at the same time to a country that the passport office has never heard of.
0: Ooh, yeah, that's suspicious.
1: So the ship was packed full of emigrants and was about to set sail, and the passport office orders them to be kept in port. Yes! So, what winds up happening is the would-be settlers finally kind of come to their senses, and they complain to the police, which leads to a couple of arrests. Uh, McGregor's secretary gets arrested, and uh, the guy who was helping him with the French scheme, a guy named Hipsley, gets arrested, uh, Gust- this is a great name, Gustavus Butler Hipsley. Nice. Uh, who had kind of paved the way for him in, in French society. Well, he gets arrested. And then uh, McGregor kind of goes into hiding.
0: <laughs> Dude. He's got to be really recognizable at this point. How, how hard is he hiding? <laughs> he
1: gets, He they finally track him down and arrest him. Yay. And then McGregor he does exactly what you think he would do.
0: He gets convicted.
1: He claims diplomatic immunity because he is the head of the government of Poyer, and you can't arrest him.
0: Oh, this is where I think he achieves his greatest... Like, he scams himself at this
1: point. Oh, no. No, I think this is still part of the play. The, uh, <laughs> the French government basically ignores that. They say, nah, <laughs> we're good. Yeah. Um... So they charge him with conspiracy and all this other stuff. And then they very conveniently blame everything on uh, one of the guys in the conspiracy that they couldn't find and that McGregor must have been McGregor must have been defrauded by this guy. <laughs> and they acquit him. Yeah. Except then that they find the guy. So this guy Lehubi, he was the managing director the Nouvelle Nostre company. Hmm which was a shipping company, okay? Mhm. And Lehubi, he fled to the Netherlands when McGregor got arrested. Mm. But the thing is is the Netherlands extradited him after the trial where McGregor got acquitted was over. So the French system of justice tried him again. Wait. So they had this new trial. They
0: tried McGregor again?
1: They tried McGregor and acquitted him because they blamed everything on Lehubi, mm-hmm. but then they actually extradited Lehubi. So they said, well, with this additional evidence, we're going to charge you again. All right. And so what winds up happening...
0: He gets convicted. Nope. <laughs> God damn it. I just want something to happen that's
1: good. He gets found <laughs> not guilty on all charges. Uh... Lehubi gets convicted of making a false representation regarding the sale of shares. Hipsley and Irving also receive very light slap on their ascendances. So McGregor moves back to London. I
0: mean, there's (laughs) a reason why we as human beings have the capacity to feel shame.
1: And this dude does not have it. Yeah. (laughs) So he moves back to London and everybody believes him when he says that all of the Kazik loans defaulted because one of my people embezzled all the money. Oh boy. So he takes out an eight- Hundred thousand pound loan. No!
0: Yep. From who? Who is still loaning this guy and money?
1: From Thomas Jenkins and Company, one of the one of the banks.
0: Oh God.
1: He starts selling bonds again. Well,
0: he's really good at it, I think, as we can see by now. He's excellent at selling bonds.
1: But the problem is that the bonds that had been issued prior didn't deliver as profitable results as they wanted. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> So they don't buy him. So he begins selling (laughs) landholder certificates at five shillings an acre. Oh, no, no. The problem is (laughs) King Robert Charles Frederick, who succeeded his brother, George Frederick Augustus, starts issuing thousands of certificates in the same territory to lumber companies in London.
0: Yes, that makes so much sense.
1: At the same time that McGregor is saying, look, buy land in Poirier. (laughs) the actual guy who owns it is saying here's lumber rights and and by the way this guy doesn't own it yes and so what winds up happening is the original investors go after mcgregor um for their overdue interest and mcgregor pays them back with more certificates
0: classic pyramid
1: and then the whole thing falls apart because some other charlatans set up their own poiesian offices in london and offer more land certificates in competition with McGregor and the actual Mosquito King. Uh... So, McGregor finally gives up. He moves back to Scotland. He's not completely done scamming people because he's paying um, He's paying some unredeemed securities by issuing more Poiesian land certificates. Mm-hmm. He also uh, publishes a constitution For a smaller Poiesian Republic, which is the region around the Black River this time, in which he is the president now. So he's no longer king, he's president. It's a
0: democracy now.
1: He tries to sell land certificates (laughs) to that, and it fails. So then his wife dies about a year later. By the way, and the other thing is that both of the McGregor children um, uh, at this point have passed away. Um, Neither of them survived uh, much into adulthood. So with his whole family dead, McGregor pulls off one more scheme. Ugh. He moves back to Venezuela and resettles in Caracas. He and, and here's what he does, and this is this is the classic McGregor move. <laughs> he applies for citizenship and he asks to be restored to his former rank in the Venezuelan army.
0: Oh boy.
1: And to have the back pay and pension owed to him.
0: No! He asked for a <laughs> pension?
1: <laughs> And they give it to him. Uh. They give it to him. Now, 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 the small victory is that they only give him one third of his pension.
0: Well, I mean, he got a lot of people killed.
1: But they still give him the pension. And Uh. so he becomes sort of a a respected member of the community. People like him. He hangs around and tells old war stories. And then he finally passes away. And is buried with full military honors in Caracas Cathedral. Oh, boy. With the president, the cabinet ministers, and the military chiefs of Venezuela marching behind his coffin. Mm. And the obituaries describe him as, quote, a valiant champion of independence, end quote. Oh, boy. And, um, yeah. I think the, the only small victory is that back in Scotland... At the McGregor Clan Graveyard, the Clan Memorial Stones make no mention of him. As far as his family, his greater family is concerned, he does not exist.
0: Gregor who? No. No, I've never heard of him.
1: No, please. Who would name their kid Gregor McGregor? That's weird. (laughs) That sounds made up. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. That's the end of his story. What a ride. So, advice for time travelers? Just, just... Just don't (laughs) buy land from Gregor McGregor. I think the thing (laughs) is, is that what what, what really you need to do when you are time traveling back to, you know, the 1820s...
0: Get your shots.
1: Get your shots. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And bug spray.
1: And if somebody is selling land in a place that sounds too good to be true, no matter how pretty the pictures are or how descriptive the guidebook is don't buy it man just just don't buy it
0: you can buy the book you can buy the book definitely
1: definitely buy the book yeah
0: you can buy some of those dollars as long as you don't go overboard the dollars are very very pretty they would look great framed maybe <laughs> uh, they're made in Scotland so you're supporting a local economy
1: <laughs> one final note here I have and and I did I did check this because it's amazing uh-huh the largest financial fraud in history is Bernie Madoff's 65 billion dollar ponzi scheme Mm. the second greatest is gregor mcgregor valued at nearly 50 billion dollars
0: holy crap
1: and admittedly you know it it didn't all go to his pocket a lot of it went to you know renting embassies
0: i'll take three billion dollars worth of rental offices please
1: and uh and Printing, very nice printing and making up, you know, bonds and stuff. But my God,
0: let's not forget the true heroes, the printers who cranked out all this stuff.
1: Are they heroes or are they complicit in villainy? That's my problem. I mean,
0: they're probably the only people in this story who got paid
1: (laughs) in real money. (laughs) Okay, that's fair.
0: They're craftsmen.
1: I would like to think of like if, if, you know, you're operating a printing machine. At this time period, it's the early 1800s. You guys have gotten ink printing down really well. Everything's going great. And somebody walks in and is like, hey, I'd like a ton of these fake banknotes."
0: No, we don't judge here. We don't judge.
1: I do, man. (laughs) I sit there going, what do you need them for, bud? Why do you need 500,000 of them?
0: That's why my print shop is getting all the business, Greg. You're asking too many questions. I'm just printing. Fair enough. And I've got those fancy scripts that they like. And I've got the beautiful engravings of tropical paradises.
1: And, uh, yeah, so today the part of Honduras that was Poye, still undeveloped.
0: Yeah, nobody can live there. I mean, that's the whole point of the scam. If people could live there, Poye would never have happened.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It's like the Skeleton Coast in Namibia. No one can live there. It's just too inhospitable. It's a great part of the ecosystem, and it's very important for the rest of the land. But uh, you can't build there. You can't farm there. It's, it's uh, not a great place for humans.
1: So there it is. That's uh... Gregor McGregor. What a guy.
0: Although we gave you a slightly exaggerated credentials at the top of the show, we do fact check our stories in an effort to give you the best disaster experience possible. If you'd like to read more about our sources, a complete bibliography is available in the show notes. If we got anything wrong, please let us know.
1: My sister Ella has picked our next disaster. What's it going to be, Ella?
0: Uh, This next disaster, we're going to go someplace a little colder, Greg. I am all worn out from tropical disasters. We are actually going to Russia. We are going to talk about the Dyatlov Pass incident.
1: Okay, that sounds like an awful thing that happened to people. And I can't wait to talk about it with you on the next Relative Disaster.